right, thank you, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Uh, You know, this should not surprise anybody. Wall Street Journal is reporting. Now, initially, the reports were that a plane went down and that it was possible, likely, that the Wagner Group head, Prigozhin, remember, he was the guy with his parliamentary, uh, I'm sorry, paramilitary group. What am I saying? Parliamentary paramilitary group um, that was on their way marching to Moscow with the support seemingly of the of the Russian people, Russia mad at Putin. A lot of Russians don't like what it, what's been going on in Ukraine, et cetera. Um, anyway, so the uh, initial report was he may have been on the plane. He may be dead, maybe not on the plane. Well, Wall Street Journal is now saying that this business jet that went down, uh, that Prigozhin, the owner of the Wagner uh, paramilitary group, among its passengers, crashed northwest of Moscow, uh, according to Russia's state uh, TASS news agency, citing aviation authorities. All 10 people aboard were killed. Footage posted by onlookers showed what seemed like the trail of an anti-aircraft missile. And then the jet, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, falling out of the sky. One wing is missing. Social media channels close to the Wagner group said that the Russian air defenses had shot down the plane, one of several aircraft owned by Prigozhin, and Russian officials did not provide a reason for Wednesday's crash. Oh, I don't know, Linda. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, uh, let's say, too too, uh, pessimistic. I, you know, the idea that my initial thought would go to this murdering dictator thug Vladimir Putin, I don't know. I mean, that's probably a conspiratorial of me, right? I mean, I yep. would say maybe in this society, no. potentially. Yeah. And all the people, of course, that were poisoned enemies of Putin that died. I'm sure that those were mere coincidences also, right? Of course. New York Magazine pointing out that Prigozhin was aboard the jet from Moscow to St. Petersburg with six passengers and three crew. Witnesses describing hearing two explosions. Several videos show the plane plummeting to earth uh, in the region north of Moscow. Uh, videos of bodies in the wreckage have emerged. None as identifiable uh, are identifiable as Prigozhin who was leading, you know, the Wagner-related social media accounts alleged that Russia shot down the plane. Flight data indicates that the plane had not previously been descending when it appeared uh, disappeared from radar. Uh, Christopher Steele, yeah, that one, the one that Hillary Clinton, you know, shuffled money, you know, first uh, funneled it through this law firm Fusion uh, into Fusion GPS's coffers. They hire Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele comes up with a Steele dossier, none of which according to John Durham, could be verified. And, of course, he couldn't collect the million dollars that the FBI offered in early December 2016 to corroborate any part of his dirty misinformation Russian dossier. Anyway, he is now saying that he received information previously from a contact had been put on, that a contract had been put on the head of Prigozhin. So he heard some weeks ago from a source that a contract had been put out on this guy in Russia by senior members of the business community. He said it would be a mistake, though, to assume any assassination attempt was authorized by Vladimir Putin himself. Why would I believe anything this idiot has to say? Russia now moving the nuclear weapons into Belarus, which is where I thought Prigozhin was, you know, they had made this deal that that was where he's going to stay. Why was he headed back to Moscow? 
or in Russia at all beyond any comprehension I might have. But what do I know? Um, anyway, so, you know, we've got this debate tonight. Uh, Linda, you looking forward to the debate? I am. I mean, listen, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be very interesting. I'll be excited to see how the spin room spins it. Well, the only show to watch after I'm doing the show, the debate is 9 to 11, and I do the post-debate show at 11. Uh, I'm not putting all the candidates on. I'm putting a, I'm like, for, I'm not wasting time on Chris Christie. He's not a candidate to me. And Asa Who Hutchinson. Would you, what would you call Chris Christie? A distraction? I'd call Chris, Chris Christie is a, a liberal media mob darling because he basically spends all of his time in every interview bashing Donald Trump. And they love that. They love when a Republican will do their dirty work for them. That's when you um, know you're doing a good job, when people start bashing you. No? Okay, so he's doing a good job. Chris Christie will never be president. I promise you. Leaves office 14% approval rating. Uh, Asa Hutchinson. I, I don't even think most of the people in this country have a clue who he is. Maybe some remember him from back in the Clinton impeachment days. Maybe you know, Obviously, the people of Arkansas know who he is. But I don't think most people know him. I didn't know who he was, and I work in this business. Listen, I could tell you this. The, the five people that I think are running because they want to run and they have ideas and their own reasons for running are clearly DeSantis, clearly Mike Pence, clearly Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. You know, something happened. I guess, uh, what did Bergram, the North Dakota governor, had some accident or something? Do we, do we know the status? We don't of know the details yet, yeah. Okay. Oh, I hope he's not. I hope nothing bad happened to him. Um, so we're going to put some of them on. We'll get some great analysis. Uh, we should have a fun debate also. Uh, a couple of surprises. I don't want to give it away right now. Um, look, you know, with all the talk about Donald Trump not being there, I think these candidates and everybody else analyzing this, you know, they're looking at it from the, the wrong point of view. Donald Trump has a massive lead in this primary right now. And he's he's a guy that sucks all the oxygen out of the room. And if he's there, he's going to suck the oxygen out of that room. You know, it'll be him and Christie having a big blow up, knock down, drag out fight. I think Trump likes to fight, so I don't think that's a problem for him. Uh, those saying that he's afraid, I think it's just silly. I don't think he's afraid. I think he's just calculating. Why should I, why should I, you know, give all this, this time to most people that aren't even in double digits, but for DeSantis, although Ramaswamy has one poll showing him in double digits now. Um, I think Ramaswamy may surprise people because we've interviewed him. We've talked to him. He's likable and he's glib. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis is probably going to look for at this. He's in lieu of Trump not beating, being there. I think they're going to try and target him. And I, w I would expect that probably most of these candidates will attack Ron DeSantis, who has, you know, steadily been the number two. Uh, I think Mike Pence wants to remind everybody of, you know, his role in the Trump administration and where his differences with Donald Trump are. Tim Scott is one of the nicest people you ever meet in your life. And he's running a very positive campaign on, on making America better and having us having the country pulled together. Nikki Haley, very nice woman. I think, you know, she, she's there for every reason that you would imagine. I think she's you know, but I, I, to me, it's an opportunity. If I could start getting asked a bunch of questions about Donald Trump, I would not even want to answer him. I said, Donald Trump's very capable of answering these questions himself. You know, how are you going to handle, you know, all of this? Uh, 
in terms of you're going to be asked some Trump questions of some kind. I would not spend much time on it. Tell me if you tell me where you disagree as I'm going along my list here, Linda. Okay. Okay. The, the second thing is, what are you running? Why are you running? What are you going to do to get this country's economy back on track? What do you, what is your energy policy? Uh, what is your immigration policy? Uh, what is your position on law and order and safety and security for the people in this country? What is your foreign policy background experience? What do you, you know, how would you handle things differently than Joe Biden? And that shouldn't be hard to make it, you know, lay out a vision for the country. You know, then they're going to have to deal with issues like election. You know, I, to me, there's no doubt. I don't think ballot harvesting should be legal in America. I really don't. I think that election day, if I had my way, would be a national holiday. I think that that, you know, make exceptions for the sick, the infirm, the elderly and 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 obviously military personnel that are abroad. But short of that, I think people should have to come in to a voting precinct with ID. I think their signature signatures should be verified. Uh, paper ballots for everybody. I think that every single voting precinct in the country needs partisan observers. People of any party that's on the ticket should have a representative watching the vote going on all day. When the polls close, the vote counting going on all night, and you declare the winner at the end of the night. That would be that would have the most integrity to me. That would be the best way to do it. And then you don't have questions about voter integrity or people wanting to question the results of this. I think ballot harvesting, you know, in lieu of it not being taken away, Republicans got to get in that game. But I wish it wasn't the case. You know, all this voting early, I think, lends itself to potential abuse and corruption. And, and I think it takes away people's confidence in the process. So, you know, I would talk about those things. Um, yeah, you know, but I see like that. My point there would be so I think I would come out of the gate with difficult questions like how do you feel about, you know, uh, what happened to certain people on January 6th? Uh, how do you feel about election integrity and how do you feel about them trying to mask our kids and covid and vaccine mandates? Like I would do all the hard stuff that's hurting people right now. And then I would do the big and issues. And then the economy. I think is right there because 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So I think, and then I'll tell you the one big issue that they're going to have to respond to, and that's abortion. And, you know, I think there's going to be some differences on that stage over the issue of abortion. I would argue, and again, I'm not, I'm, I believe in the sanctity of life. I'm pro uh, pro, I'm not pro choice. I'm pro life. However, with that said, if, if you want to follow down the road of Doug Mastriano in, in your great state of Pennsylvania, you know, he got slaughtered. Uh, a Shapiro, the Democrat, won by the largest margin of a non-incumbent gubernatorial candidate since the 1940s. And I argue that, that one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue in your swing state of Pennsylvania, uh, was the issue of abortion. And he had a very rigid position, no exceptions, even for rape, incest of the mother's life. And I think Republicans, politically speaking. Now, remember, I'm the guy that's buying 4D ultrasound machines and and contributing to a, an organization and a ministry that gives free 4D ultrasound to save babies lives. I'm talking about preborn.com slash Sean. 
And uh, so uh, I put my money where my mouth is and I and I believe in it. I also believe abortion's a hard issue. But for the Republican Party, politically, I am telling you, I do not believe that, you know, six weeks or no abortion or no exceptions is a viable political position, especially in swing states. Do you agree with that, Linda? I do. And I think the safest way to pitch that argument and to pitch that position is to say the following. Just like I do not want you mandated to take a vaccine, I don't want you mandated one way or the other to make a decision with your body. You will have your time to meet with your maker and he will tell you exactly what he thinks of your decision. We're well, pro-life thing, here, but we don't tell people what to do with their bodies, right? That should make a lot of liberals happy, too. Well, that the problem with that is, you know, what did, what did Bill Clinton say? I can't believe I quote him on this, but it, it, he was right in saying legal but rare. And I would say legal, rare, and early. Early would be defined as the first trimester. Because if you take your position, that means, you know, the radical Democratic position, which many Democrats support, you know, well, I'm not getting into the weeds. I agree with you. Early, rare, all of that makes sense. But I'm just saying if they're I'm really talking going about to... politically, not morally here. No, I know politically. I'm with and, you. I think and you're you could, right. And you could stand on your moral ground and, and lose because you will lose. It is just a political, undeniable truth of the time that we live in. But people get Hannity's not even Hannity used to be pro-life. No, Hannity's still pro-life. I am saying politically it is not a viable winning position and Republicans need to face that truth. Go ahead. My point is what I'm trying to say to you is the way to sell that point, the way to get it across, you know, the goal line, if you will. Right. Is to actually say, just like we don't believe in vaccine mandates, we're not going to tell you what to do other than the fact that we believe that. You know, when you have an abortion, should you be raped? Should there be medical complications? Should the baby's life or the mother's life be in jeopardy? These would be times when we would have an exception, right? A very rare exception. We're not saying this is a form of birth control, as so well, many Planned Parenthood places do. It's a state decision anyway, but the states... Right, excellent point as well. The states got to make the position, in my view, I thought the Dobbs decision, that was 15 weeks, and there's the cutoff. First trimester, 15 weeks, that would be a politically viable position where you're not alienating many suburban women that that wanted to be legal, that don't agree uh, with the pro-life position. But it also puts restrictions. You can't have these late term abortions when these kids are viable on their own outside the womb. 